When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we have an absolutely gripping and fascinating community birth story. Now, I have listened to birth stories for years now, and I love each and every one. But what I absolutely adore about this sharing of this story is not only is the story fantastic and empowering and exciting, but Alexis Fields, who is the parent who gave birth, She's a performer. And so if you've ever listened to someone that knows how to hold the space and really tell a story, then you're going to be thrilled to hear Alexis share her birth story. It is fantastic. Now, for those in New York, you are going to be able to envision the five-floor walk-up that she lives in and how her husband has to help people in and out of the building. It is just such a great story. So I'm so excited for you to feel inspired and excited and root Alexis on through her story. Now, before you get to hear that amazing tale, I just want to talk about a few things happening at PYC. So as we start to head into the late spring, let's talk about what's going on. So we're adding some more classes to our on-demand library, which is great. We have a childbirth education class we're adding. We have a caring for newborn. So I think think if I'm correct, every class that we offer in person is now being offered on demand because what has been crazy is our community is so much more than the in-studio. We basically have a whole online community and people are tuning in from all over the world world. And I always felt a little guilty when I'm going over the upcoming events at the studio that I couldn't turn to the computer and say, and this is on demand for everything, but now I can. So I'm so excited to be able to offer that. Now we're also having our upcoming teacher training. So we've always, this is the the focus we're going to have moving forward. We're going to do two online a year, usually in end the end of fall, beginning of uh, winter, and then one in the deep winter, typically when I wouldn't want to have to travel anyway. So those are going to be online. And then we also have one at the beginning of fall and the end of spring. So you can check that out. And then we also have an upcoming postnatal teacher training. So you can check out that will be online as well. So there's so much happening at the studio. Our classes are expanding. You can take classes online, in person. Our teacher trainings continue to expand, and this podcast continues to chug forward. Now, just on a note about the podcast, if I haven't covered a topic that you want me to explore, please let me know. You can reach me directly at deb at prenatalyogacenter.com. And if you want to share a story or you're someone that you think would be a great guest or you want to recommend a guest, please head to our website, prenatalyogacenter.com, and fill out the application because I want to connect with you. All right. I think that is it. We're going to take a super quick break and when we come back, please enjoy Alexis's story. Hi, Alexis. How are you? I'm good, Deb. How are you? I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. I'm doing great. And I'm so excited to get a chance. Not only did I have so much fun chatting with you in class when you came, but I'm excited to chat with you and hear about your birth. So basically Ellen came, I think, into the studio one day and she's like, have you heard Alexis's birth story? I'm like, I I have not. And she said, you have to invite her on the podcast to share. And I thought, well, that sounds great. So (laughs) here we are. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a wild, wild night. Um, probably the most wild night of my life. And it's very fun to share the story with people. So I'm so excited to share with you. And (laughs) so much of what happened that night went the way that it did because of 
all of the prep work beforehand, most notably like going to PYC and taking classes and having really great conversations and sitting after to chat with you about, you know, internal, external rotation <laughs> and all the the super geeky things. Um, and thank goodness, because I had no idea what I was in for. And <laughs> in some ways it was, you know, the most incredible night of my life. And in many ways it was the birth that I had always hoped for. And, um, I know that so, so many women don't get to say that and that's not lost on me at all. I feel really lucky. Oh, I'm really excited to dig into this. So before we get into your birth story, I want to learn, I've already learned a little about you. Why don't you share with our community a little bit about you? Well, my name is Alexis. Um, I moved to New York City 13, 14 years ago to pursue a career in musical theater and acting. Um, it's my true passion in this lifetime, although it hit me a few years ago that if I entered this world and never made it to Broadway, that would be one thing. But if I entered this world and I never became a mother, that would be another. And, um, and so I've been able to kind of build thankfully a really full life for myself over the past 14 years of New York. One of the things about being an actor is that sometimes you're working and sometimes you're not. And so I've been able to take the opportunity to learn all sorts of different things and do all sorts of different jobs. That's my baby crying. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if I should stop or continue. Let me try and put a pacifier in. Okay, sure, 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 sure. See? She's going to be okay. Can you be okay? <laughs> Can you be okay, smiley girl? Yeah. Yeah, you do that. And then if you freak out again, dad's out of his meeting at 2.30. He takes you for the rest of this time. <laughs> um, so I'll go back to you. So part of being an actor in New York is you wear a lot of different hats because when you're not working, you have to come up with other creative ways to earn an income. So I've done everything from matchmaking to personal assisting some cool TV celebrities, um, to managing a baby and children's clothing boutique, which was my very first job here in New York city, um, to nannying. And most recently in the past five, six years, I've been doing, um, baby music classes and baby movement classes, which has been a lot of fun. And it kind of weaves together my love of performing and movement with, um, my love of babies. You know, some people walk down the street and they go crazy over all the dogs in New York city. When I see a baby, I go nuts. And so, um, it's been really fun to kind of delve into that world. And, um, I guess in 2015, I was in Florida advocating for my father because he was on life support. He is alive and well, thankfully. Um, but when I was down there, I met my now husband and he moved to New York in 2019, just in time for a fabulous pandemic. <laughs> and um, we got married in fall of 2021. And um, yeah, we got pregnant uh, shortly after that. So it's been a wild ride. All right. So I know this is about your birth story, but I have to say, when you said matchmaking, my ears were like, interesting, very interesting. Everybody goes nuts over the matchmaking thing. It's really, it was just one of those things. I was doing an off-Broadway show and I needed to supplement my income. And I thought, wow, I love people and I love love. And I was in a relationship at the time. So I felt like really empowered to help other people find love. And so I, I was given clients for this matchmaking firm that I worked for. And my job was to find other wonderful, compatible singles in New York City. Or sometimes it was, um, I had some clients that were in other parts of the country too. And my job was to find them people and send them out on dates. And it was great until my boyfriend and I broke up. And then it became very depressing. Um, and it just, we parted ways after that. Um, <laughs> But it was definitely fun for a little while. And it was a, a very interesting way to make money. And they also gave us free lunch, which was, you know, that can't be lost on an actor. Free food is a huge incentive. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That sounds so fun. I really, I, lo I would love to do that. Um, all right. So I want to get into your birth information. How did you prepare yourself for birth? So 
I began, I became fascinated with birth long before I became pregnant. Um, I found myself in like the five years leading up to becoming a pregnant person talking all the time, uh, with a dear friend of mine who'd had three children about her birth and raising kids. And I think that set me up really well because she had a really positive birth outlook. Um, she, for years leading up to before we, I was even engaged, she would tell me it's the most natural thing that your body will ever do. And so that kind of set me off on this course of reading more about birth. Um, I read Ina May's book. Um, I read, um, Emily Oster's book. I read, um, hypnobirthing. I read, uh, this natural pregnancy book and I just kind of devoured all the information. And when I say I read, I read some of these things, but I'm also a big audiobook person. I feel like you can get a lot done while you're kind of cleaning. And <laughs> um, and so that kind of prepped me for what I was about to do. Um, and then in addition to that, I also enrolled in prenatal yoga classes at PYC, which was awesome. What was really cool about that was I had already had my eye set on doing yoga classes with you guys over there, but then I heard you on a podcast. I think, gosh, I think it was the, um, mama's in training podcast. Mm. Oh yeah. Another actor, another actress. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like, Oh my God, this woman is talking about all these things that I want to learn about. And it's at the yoga studio that I already wanted to go to. This is perfect. <laughs> so I enrolled, I got myself an eight class card. Um, and I found a really nice sense of community. Let me know if, um, <laughs> her coos. And... No, no, no. It's totally fine. Okay, cool. Um, so I started classes there. Um, I also did the, uh, Lisa Greaves Taylor, uh, childbirth and newborn care class. And that's out in Queens. Um, and that was really incredible too. So I also have a background in yoga. I did my, um, Kripalu yoga teacher training certification in 2018. And, um, I've been practicing yoga for 20 years now. And so I knew that that was going to play a huge role in me being able to get into the right mindset where I could really be present for this experience. And I was really hoping to have an all natural childbirth. I looked at this as like my next production. Um, so I really wanted to study up. I wanted to make sure that I knew the ins and outs of what I could possibly go through so that I could just allow myself to go on the ride and really be in the moment and allow myself to be flexible. Um, I knew that I really wanted this natural childbirth experience, but in New York city, there aren't a lot of options for that. And I, my husband, God love him. He is a very safety conscious kind of guy. So while I would have loved to be giving birth in a pool outside in the woods, you know, <laughs> with like, you know, musicians just like all around, um, he would much prefer more of a clinical setting where there was the opportunity to have, not that he was supportive of interventions. Obviously, if they were necessary, he would want me to be able to have that option. And I agree with that. So we kind of set ourselves up uh, for the perfect hybrid option, which was I was going to deliver at Mount Sinai West. And we teamed up with uh, ULA, which is a midwife practice that uh, serves New York City. And they are incredible. Um, they made me feel so heard. Uh, they never rushed me out of any appointments. They stayed until every single question was answered. And when I formulated my birth plan, I was very specific about what I really wanted to happen, um, along with compromises that I was willing to make because I knew I was going to be delivering, or I thought I was going to be delivering at a hospital. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, I'd had a lot of conversations with you and some of the other instructors at PYC, and they heavily suggested, as well as my midwives at ULA, they heavily suggested um, hiring a doula to make sure that if I was 
trying to avoid an epidural and interventions. Um, then I needed someone there to kind of be there for me to help me manage my pain or discomfort. Um, and so I also did that like a couple days before I gave birth, I signed the paperwork. So that's another story. But <laughs> I remember having this talk and I'm like, you got to move your tush I, on that. <laughs> I know. I just, it was, it was such a huge decision because it is a huge decision. I'm not trying, I'm sorry if I made light of that, yeah, no, but no, no, it no, is, no. it's a huge decision. At all. <laughs> I was being ridiculous about hiring a doula because here in my mind, I had the vision of my perfect doula. And that was my really good friend who lives in Florida. Now, a person who lives in Florida cannot be your doula because they can't at the drop of a hat, hop on a plane and come and rub your back and take care of you. <laughs> um, and so, but like everybody says, oh, your doula is supposed to be like your long lost sister and you're just supposed to instantly click. And my whole thing is I click with a lot of people. Like I love people. Um, so I just was so afraid of making the wrong decision. But in the end, I was so happy with the decision that I made and the doula that we ended up hiring, um, was definitely the doula that was meant to be there for us. Okay. Later, do you want to tell me who it was? Um, her name is Dina Gold. Oh, I've heard of Dina. Yes. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. She's wonderful. Um, and she studied with Yiska. Um, and that's how I found her because we were supposed to do Yiska's oh, comfort touch for birth class yes. at PYC because I was like, my husband is great, but he's not the greatest at massage. And I'm going to need him to work on that, uh, if we're going into this. And then we ended up missing our class at PYC with Yiska. And, but I ended up having this wonderful conversation with her over the phone and she, put me on a path to finding Dina, which was really great. Oh, I'm loving everything you have to say. This is so yummy. All right. So I know that you took some childbirth education classes. What was your mindset like going into those classes? Oh my God. I'm so glad you asked this question because you know, when you go and you take a test and you already know all the answers, <laughs> I was such a nerd. I was like the biggest nerd in my childbirth education. You showed up with like two, three ring binders. You already had it color tabbed. <laughs> oh my God. I was like typing all my little notes next to her little <laughs> slides. And then I was asking the most specific questions. And then she was about to teach the new section. I'm sitting in my seat being like, Oh, Oh, I know what she's going to say. I know what she's going to say. Like it was so, so nerdy, but honestly it was wonderful because I'm the type of person Let's like make an analogy here. If I'm going to go to a dance audition and I am not a dancer first in the realm of acting, singing and dancing far from it, I would much rather go into that dance audition knowing the choreography and then learning it again there. Mm -hmm. Um, there's something about the confidence that that gives me, um, to really know that I have a command of the information and that's kind of how it happened with Lisa's class. Um, I, what's funny is we finished her class on November 5th and 6th, which was the weekend before I gave birth. So Saturday and Sunday, we were in Lisa's class. And then Friday night I went into labor. Um, so, but the cool thing about it was I was able to ask hyper specific questions and I was able to leave her class with such a sense of confidence, knowing that I was going to rock this pregnancy, knowing that I, I didn't know what I didn't know. And, and there's so much unexpected stuff that can happen in childbirth, but I had done my research and I was prepared. So yeah, that's kind of how I, I'm really thrilled you did that. In fact, I wish everyone, and I, I know not everyone's going to have that the passion or even the time, but I'm so thrilled you did that because I do believe that when we have that knowledge base, then you can have more specific conversations with your care provider and those at the hospital supporting you. And, and when you put that thought in, you really can start to get down to your values and what you need to support you, which is really unique for each person. And so I'm thrilled that you did that work. So ultimately, what tools, after all that knowledge, probably all that prep, ultimately what tools did you find most helpful? And did they differ from what you had thought you would actually use during your birth? 
Oh my God. Yes. But I also wanted to just say one more thing based off of what you just said, which was, so I have advocated for my father in the hospital for many years of my life. And I think it was because of spending so much time in a hospital. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to have this knowledge so that I could be armed with everything that I needed so that I could advocate for myself properly. And I could also set my husband up to advocate for me properly. And that was also a huge factor in us getting a doula was, you know, Dan hadn't spent as much time in a hospital advocating. And sometimes you need to be really firm. There's, you know, something called white coat syndrome. Somebody Mm -hmm. comes into the room and they have a very definitive opinion about something. And sometimes that's presented as the only case scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, Thankfully, I had Ula, which I never felt like that. They, every time they presented anything, they were like, so this is what we're offering you, you know, take some time to think it over. Even, even in every appointment that I had with them, it was always like a, okay, I'm going to take the Doppler and I'm going to put it on your abdomen so we can hear the heartbeat of the baby. Do I have your consent? Is that okay? You know, like everything was a conversation versus someone with authority coming in and telling me what to do. That makes a but, huge um, difference. It really does. Huge, in huge one's difference. nervous system, especially. And when you're birthing, you don't want your nervous system in a state of fight or flight. You need it in that rest and relax. So it's everything I've heard about Ula, and I haven't worked with them personally, but everything I've heard about them, it just makes me smile to know that's being offered in New York City. It is incredible. And I really, really love the fact that they... um pride themselves on. Oh, oh, oh no. So just, just a note for any mothers, um, there's something called the mama Roo and it should really be called the mama poo <laughs> because we put our daughter in this, um, swing chair and anytime she goes in it, she has an explosion and it's not good. Um, so is that what your husband's dealing with right now. So Dana is changing her diaper right here in our bed, our bedroom. Cause that's where we keep our diaper changing stuff. And then, um, that's good. This is about parenthood. So it's all good. <laughs> oh my Lord. But you know, when you have like a husband who's working and he's in a meeting presenting something, the best answer is the mama Roo, you know, she's, she's our other babysitter. So <laughs> Let's circle back. So what tools did you find most helpful and did they differ from what you thought they would be? Yeah. So for me, sound was huge. Um, sound was the thing that carried me through, uh, most of, I guess my active labor, um, and honestly through pushing. And it's interesting because when I get in a yoga class, you know me and you know that I'm in your yoga class because you'll hear, you'll hear horse breaths. Yeah. And so I knew anytime I'm like in a downward dog, anytime I'm feeling any kind of like tightening, anything, I just, and it instantly relaxes me. Um, so I thought, you know, I was going to go into this labor and I'm going to just be horse breathing all over the place. And instead it wasn't that at all. It was full open sound and it was on a note and it wasn't like, so guttural in the beginning. It was more like a, ah, and using the note to kind of steady my breath and mm-hmm. focus my mind and, um, allow me to kind of have a really nice distraction from the sensation of the contraction. So that was a huge tool, um, that kind of helped me through, uh, the other thing that was a huge tool for me was kind of a mindset that I had kind of thought about and was ingrained in my physiology, um, which I like hope that every woman can, can know and trust is that this is the one time in your life where pain is not a bad thing, mm-hmm. where this, this pain, this discomfort, this sensation, is leading you towards the best gift you're ever going to receive. Um, so that was really helpful knowing that 
a contraction, you know, is like a wave and it comes up to a peak and, and it hits its peak and then it goes back down almost like a crescendo and a decrescendo in mm-hmm. music. Yeah. And um, knowing that you in most cases have time to kind of regroup in between contractions. That was huge. Um, you know, like just having the knowledge of like the different ways that people labor. Like I ended up laboring on the toilet and knowing that that was perfectly fine and comforting. And, um, it's just what my body wanted to do. Um, This is so great because so many of these things we talk about in class, we talk about in the podcast, and I think the more people hear it, the more normalized it can become. So you you also know my favorite saying, open throat, open vagina. So (laughs) let it be open. Yes. And that was something I was saying like the week before I gave birth, I was always like, just like relaxed face, relaxed vagina. Like it's, it is a thing. And yeah. when you're making sound, you have to have a relaxed face for the yeah. most part. Absolutely. Unless right. you're like belting really high and then, <laughs> you know, the place kind of sound. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's dig into your story. I just want to like sit back and hear the ups and downs. All right. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right. I'm buckled up. Take me for the ride. <laughs> well, I feel like the story kind of begins in the days leading up to my birth. So okay. it seemed like there were a lot of things that were kind of finishing up um, so that I could feel ready to give birth. I was at 38 weeks when I finished my birth class with Lisa. Um, it was the Thursday before I gave birth that I, the day before I went into birth that I finished my last class of my eight class card at PYC because I wanted to get that in. (laughs) Um, and everything kind of began on the Friday of veterans day. My husband had the day off from work. We had our final meeting with our doula Dina to kind of go over the comforting touch measures again for my husband and kind of just go through our birth plan one more time and kind of get set up. Um, and then when she left, Dan and I, uh, set up the crib and the nursery. And we, I finished packing my hospital bag and I cleaned out the closets and dusted the corners. Now this is what people would call nesting, except it's kind of my passion to (laughs) clean sometimes. So I couldn't really tell if I was nesting or if I was just like really anxious about just making sure that the house was clean, like I normally would be. Um, And so these were all things that were going on. Um, And then one of the things that happened when my doula was there that day was she said, you know, like, let's go over the protocol. You know, at this point, early labor is something that you should be ignoring. Um, And I really, really want you to be mindful of when you call me to have me come to your apartment to help you in your labor. Because if it's in the middle of the night and you're in early labor, we're all going to be exhausted by the next day when you really, really need my help. So I have a bypass on my phone. Um, if you feel like you are really, really in desperate need, please call me. But also if it's early labor, please don't call me because that's just not going to serve me and it's not going to serve you, which I completely understood and completely respected. And I mean, that was something that I really wanted to make sure that I just didn't jump the gun because I was so excited about giving birth. Um, but I had read enough to know, like, you don't want to tire yourself out too quickly. So I had this awesome list of all these things Dan and I were going to do. If I went into early labor during the day, we were going to like watch, um, the second season of white Lotus. And like, we were saving things to do. It was going to be like this fabulous date that we were just going to be on (laughs) your last last big date. Yes, exactly. Um, and then I'd also read, well, if early labor starts at night, you go and you have yourself a glass of wine and then you go back to sleep. And I was like, okay, that's great. Cause I, even though some literature says you can have a glass of wine, I was not really drinking during my labor. And so I was like, great, I'm going to go into early labor. I'm going to have a glass of wine. I'm going to go to bed. Um, and so these were all things that I knew 
going into this. So Friday night, uh, I'm not experiencing any labor symptoms or anything like that. We decide to go see a friend of mine in a show downtown, my friend Alan. Um, and while we're in the theater, the baby is just kicking me in the ribs and I'm just feeling uncomfortable. They're yelling a lot in the show and I think it's bothering the baby a little bit. And, but like, for the most part, we're out, we're doing our thing and we see my friend afterwards and he's so thrilled that we're there and he can't believe it. I'm, I'm at 38 weeks and five days. I'm thinking, you know what? We're fine. This baby's not coming out for a while. And when Dan and I had to leave, I remember saying to Dan, you know, I love being pregnant and I have loved being pregnant. Um, and I don't want this baby to come out sooner than he or she is ready to, but I can understand why women say, get this baby out of me, because I really just feel like there's not enough room for this child anymore in here. And I'm uncomfortable. And that was at around 1030 at night that I said that. And then we got on the subway, we came home, posted some photos on Instagram from the show. Um, we were snuggling on the couch, taking selfies with my belly. And then at around like 1230 at night, we were like, you know what? We should go to bed. Well, I can't go to sleep. I'm starting to feel mild period cramping pains, some, some, you know, tension in my lower back and I'm just kind of feeling achy and Dan's, you know, rubbing my back and doing all these things. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, could this be it? Could this be it? And I, I stopped myself and I was like, no, 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 Alexis. So many people go into false labor. Don't go down this path. You're probably fine. It's probably nothing. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go to the bathroom. Maybe if I just go and sit on the toilet and pee a little bit, I'll feel better. Well, I go to the bathroom and I look down at the toilet paper and I see a very faint pink discharge and it's the beginning of my bloody, bloody show. show. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, bloody show, but don't get excited, Alexis, because you know, bloody show, it could mean that you're going into labor now, but you know what? It could mean you're going into labor in a week. You just don't know. Don't get excited about this. So I decide the responsible thing to do would be to call my midwife, to call Ula and speak to the midwife on call, which was, uh, Nicole. And she said, you know, it sounds like you could be going into labor, early labor, you know, best to go back to sleep. You could be meeting your baby tomorrow. It could be a very exciting day. You'll want your rest. And I'm like, okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to sleep. There was no going back to sleep. These sensations were so intense that I was, I, this was the first moment of doubt because I'd been hearing all of this literature about how you can just sleep through this. You can make a lasagna, all these things. And I'm thinking, how are these other women sleeping through this? This is so intense. This is so much. I had, maybe I really had no idea what I was getting myself into. So I'm not feeling great. Um, and I, this all began bloody show was at 2 AM and that was when the timestamp was that I called my midwife. So I try to go back to sleep. I can't get back to sleep. I decide to just sit on the toilet and just breathe. And that's when I started using some sound just kind of naturally. I wasn't conscious of the fact that like I was having contractions and that I was in labor. I was just thinking this must be early labor and I just must be a wuss. Um, so I'm sitting on the toilet and I throw up and I'm thinking, oh my God, that's really, that's like really a, a, like something that I read in books. Like that's really like, this is happening. This, this is, this is labor. And so Dan starts timing my contractions and they're pretty close together already. And so we decide to call the midwife again. Um, and we also, uh, texted the doula after the bloody show just to say, Hey, no big deal. Early labor, uncomfortable sitting on the toilet, bloody show, but you know, we'll, we'll call you if we need to. So we called the midwife again. This is an hour later, like exactly an hour later. 
and she stays on the phone with me for a contraction. And she says, you know, Alexis, I really think you should call your doula. And I was like, you know what, Nicole, I really shouldn't call my doula because this is early labor and I don't want to do that. I don't want her to tire out too soon. And I told her I wouldn't call her too soon. And I don't want to be one of those women that does yada, yada, yada. Anyway, she says, Alexis, uh, you're trying to figure out if you should come to the hospital already because your contractions seem like they might be close already. Um, you're already experiencing a good amount of discomfort from what it sounds like when you're going through a contraction. She said, this is what you pay a doula for. Call your doula. So it's 3.15 at this point, and I get off the phone with um, my midwife, and I call my doula, and she doesn't pick up. And I'm like, okay. I know what to do. I can take care of this. I'll be okay. And so I tell Dan, I was like, Dan, clean the vomit out of the tub. I'm getting in the bathtub. (laughs) And I was like, and draw me a hot bath because for nine months, I did not take a bath because I was not going to take a lukewarm bath. But I was like, this is my labor. I'm going to have a hot bath. That's what I want. And luckily we live, um, on the fifth floor of a brownstone. And, and it's, it's not like a fancy building that we live in or, or anything, but we do have a really nice tub with jets. And um, so I turned on the jets. I got my hot water. I'm feeling great. I mean, as great as you can feel when you're in the throes of what I can only know now was active labor, full on active labor. The contractions were so close, like from Dan timed my contractions over the course of this hour and there were like 16 contractions. Um, and they were pretty intense, but I was, the fact they were throwing up, I would say like, you are not just an act of labor. Like you are towing the line, if not in transition, transition, yeah, Yeah. transition. That's, I call that the wet and wild because there's often vomiting, water breaking and the urge to poop. And then there's like hot flashes and cold. So it's like wet and wild. So as soon as you said you threw up, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> where's That's the story so going? Interesting that you say hot flashes because here I am in this hot tub and I'm thinking to myself, oh, oh my God, if I go to the hospital and I'm so hot from being in the tub, they're going to think I'm having a fever and they're going to want to give me a C-section. And so I need to not be so hot, but I can't get out of this tub because it's the only thing that's making me feel better. So I start yelling at Dan to bring me ice packs. So I have like (laughs) keys on my head and then thankfully somebody put a, you know, like a water bottle in our freezer. I don't know who, I mean, Dan and I are the only people who live here. So it had to be one of us, but he brings me a water bottle and you know, that, that ice exercise that they do. Yes. Um, so wait a minute. Ice cube test. Yes, I do. Well, I decided that through the contractions, I was just going to focus on my hand that was holding this massively cold frozen water bottle. And that got me through what we now, Deb, we've now figured out was transition together. (laughs) Um, and so this is at this point, it is so intense. Um, and I tell Dan, I was like, Dan, call the doula again. Uh, tell her, (laughs) transition, right? Over there. (laughs) I was like, tell her I'm in active, active labor, not just active labor, it's active, active labor, uh, which we now know is transition. Um, and that I, I need her. So he calls, they end up finally speaking to one another. She is coming from Sunnyside, Queens. I live in Harlem. She was there in like maybe 30, 40 minutes. She was quick. Um, and as this is happening, Dan kind of stops timing my contractions. And I'm like, Dan, it's starting. And he's nowhere to be found because my husband never packed his hospital bag. So (laughs) just PSA, like pack your bags, pack them early and make sure your husband packs his too. Um, So Dan's running around the house with no pants on, packing uh, his suitcase for the hospital um, while we're waiting for the doula to show up. I'm in the tub using sound, but now my sound is much louder, much more guttural, much more, um, God, like almost like tribal. Uh, It was really crazy. And I am very not 
coherent in between contractions anymore. And one of the things that Lisa talked about in the birth matters class was that there comes a point where like you use rhythm, mm-hmm. the three hours rhythm, ritual, it, relaxation. Yeah. And rhythm was really huge for me at mm. that point. Um, and so we heard the doula buzz um, again, fifth floor walk up and we don't have an intercom system where we can buzz somebody up. Um, that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> it's, it's really annoying. So people outside of New down. York are like, what? <laughs> this what? is just <laughs> what is going on. Uh, yeah, the Harlem and, you know, owner is very, also is very safety conscious and whatever. Anyway, getting back to the story. Um, so Dan has to go downstairs to let uh, Dina in and he still has no pants on at this point. <laughs> I don't actually know when pants get put on my husband, but I don't think for a long time. Um, and he goes down and that is definitely, that's what I would have called transition at that point. But now I'm thinking that's the, the kind of crossover into pushing really because I felt the urge to poop and I hadn't pooped. Uh, I'm a very regular person outside of pregnancy. Um, and I'm vegan and, and something I, I pride myself on is being very regular. And in my first trimester and my third trimester, it poop was very elusive. And so I said to myself, Alexis, you've been constipated for three days. The worst thing that could happen is that you poop and you feel better, but it's probably not poop because of all of the research that you've done. This is probably the beginning of, uh, you know, meeting your baby for real, for real. Um, and I neglected to mention like, For the most part, a lot of these sensations are in my back. I was having really intense back labor. So I remember lifting, I'm in the tub and going on my side and hooking my forearm underneath my knee, like almost like in a side happy baby. Uh And I take a deep breath in and that is the beginning of pushing. And this is all while my husband is running downstairs to find our doula. Um, and the screams were loud. Uh, we have neighbors downstairs that have, uh, two-year-old twins and I felt really bad, but I also knew that they knew what was happening and I just decided to go with it and buy them flowers afterwards. (laughs) Which reminds me, I still haven't bought them, but I should probably get them something. Um, so the doula shows up and very, very rationally, she comes in with her calming yoga doula voice and says, I know that you think that you're further along, um, but we should probably get you out of the tub and go to the hospital. And I was like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. There is no getting to the hospital at this point. I'm in a five story walk up. There's no time. I promise you there's no time. And she does that thing where she takes a deep breath and she says, I know you think that there's no time, but, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't believe me. There's no time. And I'm screaming louder at this point. And she hears me scream and some amniotic fluid definitely comes out of my body at this point. And Dan's looking at the tub and he's like, what's in the tub? This is gross. Uh, you told me that if your water broke, you wouldn't go and labor in the tub. And like, and I'm like, Dan, I need you to chill out right now and like just not go into your safety first kind of crazy anxiety stuff right now. I need you to just chill. Um, and so at that moment, Dina turns to Dan and she says, okay, you need to call 911. And so Dan leaves the bathroom. He calls 911 and she says, I believe you. And she says, you probably don't have the time to make it to the hospital, but Alexis's tub is now pretty dirty and you don't want to have your baby in this bathtub. Was there meconium or was just a lot of bloody show or? It wasn't meconium. And to this day, I still really don't know what it was because when my baby actually came out, there was a big splash. Okay. So 
So I'm still confused as to what it was that came out of me. And maybe it was, it could have been the, there's two bags of the amniotic sac and it could have been like a high tear. And then and that could be like a little leakage. It could also, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, it could have been bloody show. It could like more bloody show. It could have just been some discharge. Yeah, it was not pretty in the tub. Um, but like I had always dreamed of a water birth. So I was like, I'm staying in this tub and I'm going to like have my baby and I'm going to lift my baby up like Simba out of this. I was like, I was ready for it. Um, and my husband and my doula were like, no, 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 no. You do not want to do that. And at this point I felt much clearer. Like I had probably made it through transition right? And was kind of moving into that pushing phase. So I I was more clear headed. And so with the help of Dina, my doula, she helped me stand up and I got out of the tub and I promptly walked out of the bathroom and straight down to the mat in my hallway. It was a $20 Ikea mat. And I was like, this is a great place to birth my baby. Just $20. I'll never see this mat again. And I got right on all fours. Um, and so right there on the $20 Ikea mat, I'm on all fours. I'm yelling to Dina, just low back, low back, low back, just push on my low back. And I'm making a lot of loud noises directly down onto my neighbors down below me. Um, and the first ambulance shows up and gosh, um, Dan goes down to get them, of course, cause five story walk up, no buzzer. And I say to him, Dan, go down, let them in and run right back up immediately, like as quickly as you can, because the only other time we called the paramedics, which it's not like we ever called the paramedics, but it was anyway, rambling. We can cut that out. But um, the only other time we called the paramedics, it took them a while to get up a five-story walk up. They've got a lot of gear. If you're not used to walking up a five-story walk up, it's a lot. And I was like, I need my husband right now. Um, So by the time Dan comes back up, I'm already, I have I have this amazing mental clarity. I'm like, I'm in my pushing phase. I can feel the head. I need to, I remember from PYC classes, I need to move my legs into an internal rotation, which feels (laughs) counterintuitive, but it's going to open up my pelvis and it's going to make room for my baby's head. And this is happening right here in my house. This is what I've always wanted. And it's going to be the most beautiful birth daddy ever. ever, And it's going to be great. And so I'm there, I'm, I'm on all fours. I'm in my internal rotation. Dina is like touching my lower back and on my right side. And Dan is there and I'm feeling great. And the paramedics come in and they say, we need to get her on her back. And I was like, what? I'm not getting on my back. And my doula earned every single penny in that moment because she was like, she's not going to do that. And she so fiercely advocated for me like a mama lioness. And she was like, she's not getting on her back. You're not going to do that to her in her own home. She's, she's staying on all fours. This is what we're doing. And so we could tell pretty quickly that these, um, paramedics that arrived, they were really kind and really like attentive, but they hadn't, you could tell that they hadn't attended a birth before. And they're really worried. They keep saying to my husband, is that other ambulance here? Is that other ambulance here? And I guess there was another ambulance showing up, um, with another crew that was going to assist them. And so I'm in my internal rotation. I'm breathing. And Dan happens to be on the phone with my midwife on FaceTime. When this happened, I can't tell you, but she's looking at what's going on and she can see hair and she's saying, yeah, I don't think that you're going to make it to the hospital, which gives me the feeling of like utter safety to just do what I need to be doing. Um, I felt like the entire time I just needed people to believe me and get on board and 
when Dina said, I get it, let me help you get out of the tub, you're not going to the hospital, that was one of those moments. And when the midwife on the call said, yeah, I don't think she's making it to the hospital, that was another one of those moments. And then out comes this second group of um, paramedics, and there's a woman who's in charge, and she comes up, and she's like, okay, Alexis, we got to get you to the hospital. And she starts screaming, like, this is a really beautiful moment, I'm really, like, in my pushing phase. And I'm thinking, this is the moment I've dreamed of for my entire life. And I'm going to welcome my baby and it's going to be so beautiful. And it's going to be like sunshine and roses. And there's this woman being like, Alexis, do we have your consent to bring you to the hospital? And she's, I'm not responding. I'm saying, or I'm saying no. And then she's asking my doula and my doula is like, I can't speak for her. And then she's asking my husband and everybody's arguing and here I am on all fours, totally buck naked, just wanting to give birth to my baby. And I'm thinking this is my big moment and everybody's fighting. Um, and so anyway, she gets really upset and she turns to the entire group. There's probably four other paramedics, uh, my doula and Dan. And she says, I'm sorry, but has anyone else here delivered a baby? And the room fell silent. And then from Daniel's phone on FaceTime, you hear Nicole, my midwife, say, actually, I've delivered over 500 and (laughs) they're not making it to the hospital. This baby is here. And I was like, yeah, this is great. I'm going to deliver my baby. This is wonderful. And so one of the things we talked about at PYC2 was that natural expulsion reflex, but also the idea of, and I talked about this with my midwives too, right before um, this all went down, uh, the idea of when I'm in the pushing phase, allowing the baby to come out and then go back up and in and really allowing this process to happen in the time that it needs to take and as naturally as possible so that my vagina has time to open like a beautiful flower petal blooming so that I don't tear and so that everything just works the way that it's supposed to. And so I'm pushing and I'm breathing through the contractions and I'm bearing down, but I'm working with my body. I'm not like pushing past what I feel like is appropriate and I'm not using tension. And so out comes a little baby head or I can't, I couldn't see it, but I felt it out comes a little baby head and then it goes very gently back up. And then the next contraction, it comes out a little bit more and then it goes back up. And this paramedic who was in charge, who was silent and on board, I thought all of a sudden is not on board again. And I'm thinking, oh my God, like just believe women, come on, get on board with me. And I realized that she's not going to get on board. She's going to continue freaking out. She's going to continue to push for me to go to the hospital because she thinks something is wrong when nothing is wrong. Everything is happening the way that it should. And in that moment, I realized, fuck it. You have to like push this baby out as quickly as you can. You have to get this baby out of you so everybody calms down. And so that's what I did. And probably maybe two more pushes. And I really, really like bared down, pushed as hard as I could, pushed past the contraction and out flopped this very wet, beautiful creature. And I heard a paramedic say, I got her, I got her, I got her, I got her. And I turned around and I said, her, her, because we didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl. (laughs) And everyone thought that she was going to be a boy. Um, but we had a little girl and what was really cool was, um, I had all these things in my birth plan. And one of the things that was really important to me was I wanted to delay the cord clamping. And because I was in my own home and because I had already denied, uh, going to the hospital, uh, I was able to deny cord clamping for a full 15 minutes until I saw her cord go white. And then, um, I said, okay, you can clamp the cord. And, uh, I said, but I do want Dan to cut the umbilical cord. And the paramedic goes to Dan, uh, do you have anything to cut the umbilical cord with? <laughs> and, Dan, <laughs> and Dan like stirs for a second. Cause we're all in like such shock. 
And then Dan goes, uh, do you have anything sterile? And so they handed him a scalpel. He cut the cord. Um, but it was pretty wild. And I mean, the performer in me, I look, we actually have a video of like the moments right after she was born. And I'm already going into a, thanks for all coming to my house and attending my birth. I'm like, can I get you a drink? And all the things I was so clear. Are you taking your curtain call? <laughs> yeah. Kind of, sort of. I was like, um, but it was, yeah, it was pretty wild. Um, but God, the pushing phase was so great because I felt so clear headed. I was coming up with like bits in my head, like joke bits in my head. And I'm writing my one woman show as we speak. 100%. And I definitely was like ring of fire guys. It's the ring of fire. It's here. I can feel the ring of fire, you know, and like announcing different things as they were happening. And I think the reason why I was so calm was because I knew that my body was doing it what it was meant to do. And I understood the phases of what was happening. I knew that like, you know, there was this moment I going back to transition where the contractions came really close together. And I said out loud crying, Dan was downstairs getting the doula. And I said out loud crying, I was like, no, 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 not again, not another one, not another one. I just need another second. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. And I was like, oh, that must be transition. <laughs> you, and like, there's, it, there's a beautiful freedom that comes with the awareness of yeah. the process. And so when all was said and done, Bloody show was at 2 a.m. And the cool thing is we have pictures of all of this and we have timestamps from the phone and all the things. We even have a picture of me and my internal rotation at 441. Um, I still want that picture, by the way. I do. (laughs) Absolutely. It's funny. Like I've never been so thrilled to show people pictures of my naked body and my butthole. It's great. Um, But yeah, so 2 a.m. bloody show and then 5 a.m., there is our first photo of our daughter right as she arrived into this world. She was the only person that made her way into our apartment for the very first time without climbing up five flights of stairs. So <laughs> I love it. And, and we named her Anita after my grandmother, who was an equity actress and mother of four and who I was very close with. And her middle name is Lennox because we live on Lennox Avenue and that is where she was born. Gosh, I love that. I love that. So just out of curiosity, because you took me on this trip, after she was born and everything was fine, did that, did that, um, I guess EMT technician person, did she chill out? Did she acknowledge like, wow, that was really great. Or like, how did that come about? So what's interesting was she's the person pushing the whole time for me to go to the hospital. But then the minute Anita came out of me, she was like adamant about skin to skin. You have to get her skin to skin. Like she all of a sudden became the most like natural earth mama that you've ever seen in your life. And, um, we decided to go to the hospital to, um, you know, get checked out and to do a tour of the placenta. I ended up delivering the placenta in the, um, emergency vehicle, um, in the ambulance is what it's called. Um, and there's also like a whole story of how they got me down the stairs, which is just ridiculous, but we don't even have to go into that. But but just give me the very brief story. Cause in my head, I have like multiple images that are like carrying you or they are like, then they're how, or they have put you in a stretcher and it's like going down or you're like, what is it? Where, where does it? There's some kind of like stretcher wheelchair thing that they put me in and it's hard metal. And all I'm saying after she was born was, and you were on your butt doing this. Oh yeah. All I kept saying after she was born was everybody was like, I said, can I get you a drink? They were like, can we get you a drink? And I was like, no, my butt hurts. <laughs> That's all I could say. Um, they, so there was like this weird metal chair and, uh, we had just put together the crib that day with the crib mattress and everything. And so we used the mattress that came with the crib. And I was like, that is something that would just go in the trash anyway. So let's use the crappy mattress, put it on the chair and they put the baby and I, you know, the baby was attached to me still at that point, I think. Um, and they, 
two women carried me down five flights of stairs, like total badasses. And, you know, my baby is crying and it's my first time kind of like bonding with her and like soothing her and stroking her third eye and shushing her. It was, it was very crazy. Um, and I felt very guilty for, uh, these women having to carry me down the stairs in a very heavy metal chair. Um, but they did it. And when we got into the ambulance, the woman who was so resistant and, um, but all of a sudden all about skin to skin, she confided in Dan and said that she had hoped for a home birth and it didn't go well. And so mm. she had some birth trauma going on. Yeah. All of a sudden it all made sense. I was um, waiting for you to say she had a home birth and it's going to be like, then why was she so upset? Okay. Yeah. No, that makes actually a lot uh, she ended more up sense to transfer to the hospital during her home birth. I don't know the specifics of what happened, but she had like some pretty intense yeah. birth. Trauma. And wow. so when she walked up to my apartment and saw everything happening the way that it was, she, she was fearful. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting because she could be labeled as like the villain or my nemesis in this story because she really was getting in the way of what was working really well in a really beautiful process. But at the same time, it's like, she's a human and she's mm. not just that she, she cared about me and she cared about my baby and that, you know, she wanted everything to work out in the healthiest way way for everyone. And thankfully it really did. Um, and we had a beautiful three hour labor. And, um, my husband said that if I want to do a home birth next time I can. Well, so, yeah, because oh, yeah. that way everything will be planned. <laughs> yep. Oh, yep. that is, I have to tell you, like that was fantastic to hear. I'm just oh. floored by everything you said. Oh my goodness. All right. So Give me the brief update of how's postpartum been? Postpartum has been amazing and also really difficult. Uh, I wish I would have known more about breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is really hard. I tell everybody like giving birth was the easy part. Um, you know, being pregnant was the easy part. Actually being responsible for this child around the clock. That's really tough. Oh. But she is the light of our lives. I've also never known a love like this before. You know, it's like you, as a performer, you, in some ways, we look for validation. And I haven't found a more beautiful source of validation than, you know, my own child. Like, it's just there's there's a an unspeakable bond that I feel with her that I've never felt with anyone else in my life and a deeper love than I've ever felt. And, um, she's super smiley. And as you can expect, she's got a lot of attitude and a lot of feelings too, because she's just that kind of rambunctious person who would be born in three hours in an apartment in Harlem. So, um, you know, but she's, she's wonderful and we feel really, really lucky. Um, so, but yeah, like, breastfeeding. Woof. It's a lot. Are you getting support? Have you been able to connect with an IBCLC or anything? Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, I really hate the fact that, uh, insurance isn't more understanding of, um, covering IBCLCs as well as, uh, pelvic floor physical therapy. Mm. That is a whole rant I can go on. That's a whole nother podcast, but I absolutely believe you. Yes. Um, but you know, like, that being so like I had some minor tearing because I had to eject my baby very quickly. Um, and, but that's been healing up just fine. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that that isn't covered more. But what I will say is I'm very lucky because right in my neighborhood, there's a lactation group mm. and it's a wonderful opportunity to get out of the house with her, to put her on my boob with other moms and get, um, kind of like group lactation consulting. That is so great. Cool. Okay. We're going to take another break. When will you come back? Can you offer one tip? or piece of advice that you'd like to give new or expectant parents. We'll be right back. All right. So what wisdom would you like to leave us with? 
I know that a lot of people think about labor and birth, especially for the first time, as something that's really scary and something to be fearful of. And if there's anything that I could impart on other people who may feel this way is to be open to more of a curious mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that people have been doing as long as there have been people on this earth. And it works out most of the time really, really well. And it's a very natural thing. So if you can get maybe excited um, about something rather than saying you're nervous or you're scared, maybe you change that word to excited. Mm. And that doesn't Mm. mean that, you know, those feelings aren't there. You know, fear is allowed to be there. There were moments of fear in my story as confident as I was going into it. But I just decided, you know what, like we're going to let fear take a back seat and I'm going to be in the driver's seat and we're just going to go on this ride. And it really can be a beautiful journey. That is so wonderful and such great advice. So I'm guessing you're probably not performing right now, but where can people find you and any of your offerings? Um, so I'm going back to the Children's Museum of Manhattan, and we're going to do a five-week baby music class, just one class a week for five weeks um, in the spring. So they can find me at the Children's Museum of Manhattan, or if uh, people are looking to take class, and it's my curriculum, I'm not teaching it right now, but up in Westchester in Pelham at Tig and Peach, they're teaching my classes. And those are super fun classes up there too. That sounds amazing. And now that I can't believe I hadn't thought about this before, I would like, this will be a whole nother conversation, but let's talk about getting some of your classes at PYC. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Why haven't we thought of this before? (laughs) That sounds so great. We're thinking of it now. It'll be awesome. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I just want to offer my gratitude that you are trusting the PYC community for, with sharing this. It's just, it, I enjoyed having you in class. I loved hearing your story and it was, it's really brave to go out there and be like, this is everything that happens. So thank you for that honor. Well, it's truly been a pleasure to find the community at PYC and to have a space of such kind and open-hearted people. Um, so I feel very grateful to have that community. And I feel so, so grateful that you asked me to share this story. It's like the most incredible thing that's ever happened to me. So I love sharing this story and I love sharing, you know, just, I love sharing pictures of my baby. I love doing it all. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.